0: Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough, because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. St. John, more than the other gospel writers, it seems, tells really long stories, and that's one of the reasons I'm glad we have this opportunity during Lent to listen to some long selections from John, and I hope you'll bear with me. It's worth hearing them all together because it's worth hearing the context and hearing the story that is shown to us of what Jesus has done and what his teaching means in reference to the things that he did, the miracles that he did, the way that he showed mercy to people. The theme for these five weeks in Lent pertains to something unique about John. In the Gospel of John, several times Jesus says something like he said this evening. He said this evening, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You're familiar with some of the other ones. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light. Jesus has all of these ways that he identifies himself. And what's unique about the way Jesus says it, and John reports it to us clear as day, is that he says over and over again, I am. I am. Which is not just the way that you might say, I am so and so but it refers to something grand, something that resonated in the ears of especially the Jews at the times. At the time. Because when Jesus says, I am, he is reminding them of what God said to Moses when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. And God said to Moses, go and rescue my people from Egypt. And Moses said, okay, I'll go, but who am I to say is sending me? And God said, you shall say, I am is sending you. I am. That's God's most holy name. And here, we see in the Gospel of John, time and again, Jesus saying, I am, I am. In fact, the Jews pick up on it, and they are ready to stone him because they know that he is saying that he is very God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created the world, the God who has come to rescue his people. This evening, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And he gives the people an opportunity to make a comparison, to draw a comparison between the bread that they seek day in and day out of their lives and the bread that he is offering. They had seen him do this miracle. They had seen him feed those 5,000 men with more than enough so that everyone was full. And in the other Gospels, we hear how there was enough left over to fill baskets. There was more afterwards than what they began with. Jesus fed those people with bread to fill their stomachs, and he fed them in abundance. Something that God always does. He fed the people of Israel in the wilderness with manna, day in and day out. Never a day failed where he gave them no manna. Never a day was there lacking manna in the morning. But they come to him, they try to find him, they follow him across the sea where he has traveled with his disciples. They're looking for him and he puts his finger on exactly what they're after. He says, you have come not because you saw a sign that pointed to my divinity. He says, you have come looking for me because you're hungry, because you're concerned about your bellies, because you ate the bread and it was good bread and you want more of that bread. And so he says to them, do not work for the food that perishes. Do not work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. That is something that I think is eminently understandable, but the things that we work for in this life, food not least of all, those things perish. They go away. They wear out. They run out. Eventually, food doesn't do us any good. Our bodies wear out. The things that we strive for, the things that we grasp at, the things that we hold on to desperately in this life, they go away. And just like the fathers who ate manna, manna from the hand of God, just like those fathers died, so also will we. The things that we work for in this life perish, and so do we with them. And that's true, as even Jesus points out, even if we ask really pious-sounding questions, like the, uh, the people who came to Jesus, they asked him, well, what, what should we be doing? What should we be doing then to be doing the works of God? And he doesn't say something like, work for really important things. Work for really good things. Work for really noble and beautiful things. Don't work for bread that is especially healthy bread. Don't try to be as capable and strong in this life as you can. He says one simple thing. What do you have to be doing to be doing the works of God? Believe in Him. Believe in Him. That is what it means to eat the bread that came down from heaven. That is what it means to eat the bread of life, to believe in him. For his body is bread indeed, and his blood is drink indeed, and it nourishes us by faith, by belief, by trusting in what God says. That's something to take note of, because there's a way to hear what Jesus says about bread that will give you life forever, and to think that what he's offering is some sort of fountain of youth, that by eating the bread that he gives us, we will live this life forever. And that is actually why people strive so desperately. That is why they labor and toil in this world, to keep this life going. But this life forever is not heaven. This life forever, in fact, is much more like hell, as we day in and day out accumulate more and more sin, and grief, and sorrow, and loss, and suffering. This life forever is not the life that Jesus is offering us. That life, a life like this forever, is a life of despair. It is much more like dying forever. That is not what Jesus has on offer. He's not simply offering eternal life that looks just like this life. He's offering something better. By giving us his flesh and blood, by pouring out his flesh and blood on the cross, what he has done is eradicated all of the things that make this life like hell. He has eradicated all of the things in you and me that ruin this world and ruin our relationships and ruin our own lives. He has done away with them. He has borne in himself the punishment for all of those sins. He has borne in himself the hell that you and I deserve forever. And when he gives us his body and blood to eat and drink, whether in the sacrament of the altar or by means of faith, by hearing his word and believing it, what he is doing is giving us a new life, a better life. Better doesn't even do it justice, a perfect life. He is giving us his own life, a life that is free from sorrow, Free from pain, free from grief, free from all of the things that you have been accumulating and carrying with you and dragging along behind you, free from all of those things, never more to haunt you, never to accumulate again, so that one day you will be perfect, free from fear, free from everything that you suffer in this life. That is what he wants to give you. And he says it's his body and his blood that deliver it to you. And that's important because what's required for you to have that life is a sacrifice. What's required is a perfect sacrifice, a spotless sacrifice. That is what the season of Lent is all about. It is about fixing our eyes on Jesus, on his perfect sacrifice, so that when we see him go to the cross and breathe his last, we know, we know how valuable it is. And when he rises from the dead and we find ourselves in Him, our lives bound up in Him, by faith, we know where we, will be, where we will be. We know where we belong. We know what kind of a life we will be living. Not a life like this, but a life like His. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, He says, and I in him. So that as we look at Jesus on the cross, you should think of yourselves as being hidden in Christ. For a time, yet now, you live in this world, in this flesh, suffering all the things that you have suffered before. But your life is hidden with Christ. Your hope is in what happened to him. Your hope is in his resurrection from the dead, and in his perfection, and in his joy, his joy which was complete, his joy which was complete in bringing you peace with God. That is the gift that Jesus gives us in his body and his blood. That is the gift that he gives us in this bread of life. No bread that you could find in the store or make for yourself. No food you could ever heap up. No treasures on earth could ever give you peace. That is what Christ has given to you. That is what he means for you to have eternally. So eat and drink. Drink. Hunger and thirst for that life. Hunger and thirst for that righteousness. Do not hunger and thirst for the things of this world which perish, which perish along with your flesh. Hunger and thirst for the things that last forever. For the things that are good and true and beautiful. For the things that God means to give you. Put your hope in him. Fix your eyes on him and remain with him. To him belong all glory now and forever. Amen.